Are we? Are we taking? So that's we're we're doing the kiddos. Okay, I got the thing open. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know what's happening yet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's so many cords everywhere. All right. So much technology to make this podcast happen. To make any pot, not really. It's so much less than video making, filmmaking. Oh though. yeah, it totally, it totally is. So I'm just trying to get my get my stuff straight here. All right, so we are talking about emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Now, is this for kids and adults, or we're, we're kind of focused a bit on the kiddos? I think what we originally jumped off on was uh, screen time and parenting. Screen time and parenting. And then uh, tangentially related is this new study yes. that discusses social media use is actually detrimental to your mental health. Okay. And so how does that fit into our picture of screen time, kids, right, et cetera. My kids are too young for social media, so I don't have this problem yet. Okay, well. <laughs> I, it, it, but they're not too young for screens. Right, they're not too young for screens. Okay, I'm feeling emotionally strong to take this one on. Okay. Okay, so we are starting, should, are we bringing the study up as far as like the, the actual study itself from psychcentral.com that we found on social media linking that into sure. a we'll relationship with with mental health well let no linking it more toward like screen time and parenting decisions screen time and parenting decisions okay so should we start with myself since i i own a teenager well let's <laughs> you own him let's start with uh let's start with both of us had had a very different attitude towards screen time maybe two years ago than we do now okay as far as parenting okay because um i think we both had a pretty free range um open door policy if you want to use your screens go ahead get on you know do whatever you want i'm not going to monitor it i'm not going to be over your shoulder i'm not setting a timer just do whatever you want to do. And in recent, I would say maybe the last year, two years, we both have had to set limits on our kids' screen time. We have. I think for, well, and for various reasons. Yeah. And I think we can kind of talk about that from the emotional. I can even talk about that from like even a medical standpoint yeah, or, or like a, a clinical standpoint that we can talk about like dopamine mm-hmm. and, and feeding that and, and how that relates to mental health. Yes. But for instance, like an example last night, my youngest, uh, he was complaining of a headache. I mean, my kids don't get headaches and right. I'm not saying like my kids are immune to like all illnesses. It's they're, they're not. No, but he's hydrated. He doesn't eat, you know, over sugar. Right. Uh, athlete. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he apparently had just been spending a little too much time on screens. And, and I have to say that even in school, that's where they spend a lot of their time as well, because iPads are used heavily in the school system, Chromebooks, computers, a lot of their work is done on those devices. Right. So then from them to to come home and transition into another screen, I think that's very hard and they don't get the whole like you have to rest your eyes, you have to like focus on some other things. Right. Or just get away from it altogether. Mm-hmm. Go out and you know, play or, 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 or whatever. So, but I, I know that there's an arc here, not just mental health, but like there's, there is the big thing about how 
kiddos connect with the world yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Much different than when we were growing up. And Absolutely. much different than I was growing up. We didn't have computers. Like people had like a Commodore 64, <laughs> you know, like in the 80s. <laughs> but or you whatever. did have TV. We had television, yes. But there was never a need to like be in front of it for a long time. Right. We had a few channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of had to work for your TV <laughs> yeah. back in the 80s. You did. You really had to work for your TV if you didn't have like the extended cable or whatever. Right, right. So, and maybe that's a socioeconomic thing because we couldn't afford cable until, you know, eventually like we could. Uh, and, and so, yeah, like, I don't know though. I think socially the norm was like kids are, they, they just gravitated toward being outside and being with their friends, mm-hmm. like in real life. Right. So like that socially was occurring. Right. So there wasn't any pressure to be in front of a screen. Yeah. I mean, Growing up in the 90s, I would say I could have been in front of TV if I wanted. We didn't have cable either, but there was still like after school programming on the network channels. And if I wanted to spend a bunch of time watching television, I could have. We had a computer, a PC in the house from a young age. And uh, my brother had an NES, a Nintendo. So I think they're slightly more available opportunities to be on screen when I was a kid but again I wasn't I I didn't choose that as my main form of entertainment um I just actually played mostly with toys I was big into like actual toys in my own space playing like imagination type play and that was kind of my jam until like middle school age really I didn't stop playing with actual toys until I was well into sixth grade right well and let's actually even sidestep a little bit not just from a mental health standpoint but like how how kids and really society labels people Mm -hmm. so i can tell you because i've shared this with my boys i remember kids that were able to afford like a commodore 64 and those kiddos did spend a lot less time outside. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of, they wanted to be playing these games. Sure, it's fun. <laughs> I had an Atari and a Nintendo and there were definitely kids that were, they weren't labeled gamers back then. Mm-hmm. But those were kids that started to fall off of or fall out of our circle of friends eventually. And like they kind of isolated themselves more mm-hmm. as they got older and as this technology, which wasn't growing as rapid as it is today. Like it, it, you know, we went from like what, eight bit to 16 bit to 60, you know, like the graphics and everything. Like it it was a slow progress as far as like graphics is concerned and what, what games were capable of. But I can say that friends that I had as a younger boy, they eventually kind of peeled out of our groups Mm -hmm. because they preferred to be inside more. And working on those games and building stuff. Sure. And I know like even today there are gamers and some of it like YouTube is certainly making gaming and these games like Fortnite. It's like having like a resurgence because I almost feel like video games in the early 2000s were like really not in. (laughs) Yeah. Mainstream. Yeah. They were not a common hobby that people had. Right. And I think like if you label those individuals, and I'm just using terms like, you know, the geek nerd kind of. Right. Like those individuals were the ones that were gaming all the time. However, there are still individuals that are gaming quite a bit, but then 
like I said, there are YouTube channels that are huge. That Fortnite is like the largest like yeah. business. Oh yeah, it's like huge. in gaming, like they could actually buy Nintendo like in cash <laughs> right now. You know, it's it's just interesting to see that the growth. But but I also do see like that even splitting off. So you do have your gamers that may identify more in in one socio or social group mm-hmm. versus like another one like where you know esports is huge massive and I even mean, getting bigger all the time yeah and and like the quote-unquote cool kids are even doing this stuff now yeah so do you think not to go too far off topic but do you think there is like do you think the popularity of esports is related to you know a lower amount of effort to somewhat excel. I mean, I know you have to put in the time and sort of get better and better at the game, but I think getting good in an e-sport, everybody feels like, oh, I could do that versus getting good at a like soccer or football <laughs> where you just have to be like a an actual athlete yeah. to participate in that. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know what? The one thing that I, I want to be very truthful on is that I don't want to... I don't want to take any, steal anybody's thunder or work ethic because like some people look at that as like, I'm working on this game. Like I'm investing time to become better. This is a viable sport to me. So like, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. What is the definition of sport? (laughs) Sure. Sure. And I think that there are definitely the, the more traditionalists that would say like, that is not a sport because you're not getting up off of your duff to go out and move. You I'm know, just talking more but, about like as a viewer, I guess I can understand how I might enjoy that more. Similar to how like when pro poker became popular for a little while and people, you know, it was easy to understand the game mm-hmm. and people felt like, oh, I could actually do that. So it became more enjoyable to watch. Not that it doesn't take years of practice and dedication to do, but I think people just felt they could relate to it better because the people doing it seemed like more more like them than a pro athlete does yeah i think when you talk about your your point of entry Mm -hmm. being a little bit less as far like it could i'm not even talking about like like a physical disability that would hold you back from going out and running or, or doing something like this just fitness yeah or or the fact that you know this is what i'm into like Mm -hmm. this is what i gravitate toward like i'm never i've never really been interested in picking up a ball and throwing it or running however i've always been interested in you know the aspects of this sport and getting better at it uh i feel like you know for whatever reasons and that could be even like a mental block that most people have just to say like I never felt enough like I was enough to be on the, the, the pitch, the field, wherever you are. Right. But here I feel like I'm able to perform at a much higher level like an athlete, but it's just in a, in a virtual sense. Right. And that team aspect of it is a little bit different. You do play on somewhat of a team on yes. Fortnite, but you're not you may not even be physically present with your teammates. So that's like a whole nother layer to this conversation about mental health where it can be very isolating. Yes, you're participating as a member of a team, but each member is kind of doing their own thing. There may not be a group strategy to 
I don't even know what the goal of Fortnite is. Build the fort. Well, <laughs> something yeah, like that. Yeah, but see, it goes even deeper because then they do. They try to. There's seasons involved, uh-huh. you know, and with each season, things certain things can get harder. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you are working in a team. You are, yeah, like building these. I, I, again, it's, <laughs> I, I we probably sound like complete noobs, but we don't know what Fortnite's yeah, really about. Yeah, my kids <laughs> actually play it like quite a bit. Like that's kind of like their go-to for sure. Um, but. I guess I also want to to also because I don't want people that game to think like oh, okay so we're against gaming no no I'm not judging I right. just don't know what it's about right so one of the things too that when when we talk about the sort of the computerized and virtual aspects so like let's take Peloton for instance sure so Peloton has a stationary bike mm-hmm. that you can get some physical exercise on but what they do is they have a tablet that's kind of attached to it right and that's that syncs up with other writers right right mm-hmm. so you can actually be in either direct competition with someone not direct competition but like you know you motivate right because sure. if you go to an actual class a peloton class or a spin class as they mm-hmm. call them yeah then you're motivated by the the instructor and all the people around you to like get your sweat on mm-hmm. but you know if you're in your home and you don't have access to those classes or the time whatever your obstacle is you know, Peloton realizes like this virtual aspect is very important and could be very important to people to get them to connect. Right. So I do think that online sports, online gaming can also allow people access. People may feel like socially inadequate or awkward or it's just harder for them to in real life socialize with individuals. Right. But this actually feeds their you know, like some need to want to connect Sure, with socialization people. and yeah, it makes them feel uh, um, part of a team like we talked about. And it's something they, it's a little different being present and doing a sport with someone where you might feel judged or right. like people are looking at you. Whereas if you're on your own, it almost feels like you can, you can learn at your pace and there's, right. I think the online virtual aspect of it is people just see that you're putting in an effort. Yes, yes. So, we, But maybe that doesn't translate to Fortnite because if you suck at Fortnite, people are going to razz you online. And they do. They <laughs> yeah. definitely do. So I think, you know, like, all right, so let's talk about the social aspects of it, and, you know, because we're totally killing the gaming and people who probably game are like, you guys need to shut up. Probably. So, and that's and that's totally understandable. Like, I... You know, I understand that there are like these, you know, the the dopamine receptors like this stuff is involved when it comes to the instant on the instant access and the instant consuming of media, like Mm -hmm. whatever you want, you can get access to. Right. Like, let's take gaming it, you know, out of it. You know, this could be YouTube, social media, um, news, anything that that kids and even adults could literally look up in a matter of seconds and see and get pulled into. Sure. And there i think it's harder so one of the things that i've noticed like with my kids especially like my youngest kid he's having a harder time and he even admitted that he's having a harder time regulating like self-regulating himself and i thought that was pretty huge of him to tell us that and to recognize like he was pretty upset about it Mm -hmm. so i had talked about sort of this chemical uh thing that's happening in his brain and and he is just he just surprises me all the time and he's like oh okay i understand that now so it's it's really hard for him to peel away, but like he knows like he just has to do that break 
And if we have to say like, all right, well, let's, instead of you doing like a hard break, like let's kind of have you like a ramp down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can kind of like see like there's a countdown happening. You anticipate it, you're expecting it. And then when he makes that break, then he's made the break. Transition in and out of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's been helping him. But I know that that's very idealistic because a lot of kids would fight on that. Sure. So this has a lot to do with his self-awareness. But I still talk about like what the research is saying, you know, what's going on. And I always preface like, hey, I know you guys don't appreciate me coming off as like the parent like or or even the nurse saying like, oh, I've got some new research. Like, oh, great. Here it comes. (laughs) It's got the latest research on, you know, brain mapping and neural pruning and all of this. And, but that's ultimately what's, what's going on. Like they are finding, we are actually finding in some of the research studies that we're, we're involved in that, that this is actually altering kids' brains. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I'm not trying to come off as like a, a neurological expert here. I'm not a neurologist, but we do know from a behavior standpoint, we are seeing some change Mm -hmm. like significant in, in some regards. And, for me as a parent, it's pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a professional, I can see it, we study it, and we figure out like how we can intervene so that we can, you know, because ultimately neuroplasticity and and that's like, you know, where you're where you're kind of creating like some new avenues, some new processes. We can even do that as adults. So we're working on that. But again, I don't want to get too far into like the medical stuff. I want to just kind of talk about sort of the social aspects of it because everybody's friends are using it. It's expected for you to have a phone. Yeah, okay. I, at that age, yeah. Like even it was interesting. Like we thought the expectation to have a phone was at high in high school, and <laughs> no. then you know, and then it became middle school, and now it's in elementary. Yeah, like that's the expectation. And I, I even noticed like Flynn had always said like a lot of the the his friends that were girls even had phones way way earlier than he did. Because they were girls? Yes. He Why? said all of the girls actually had phones. None of the boys did. Why do you think that is? Honestly, well, he, I have told, no he told me it started with like one of the quote unquote cool girls in school. And so she has this apparent influence. And so then a lot of these girls were asking for these phones, demanding these phones, trying to commandeer like old phones, you know, because as, like we go through phones and like then that phone is either whether it's usable or not, like sometimes that stuff gets handed down. Like, oh, you know, here, you you give it to like a toddler and say like, I mean, we used to give like old iPads and stuff to the kids to like stream Sesame Street or whatever. Right. You know, so like they definitely had earlier access, but that's according to what my boys have said. Most of the girls in their classes have always started out with phones first. Mm. And I'm, I'm not trying to project my like, you know, male perspective, like saying like, well, it starts with the women. I'm just saying like, that was their observation. Yeah. I mean, and we fought it for a couple of years. And and that could just be like a, a independent, like a, a phenomenon specific to their school too. It, it could be, it could be. I, there were, there were, it started in third grade. Okay. It started in third grade. I was just going to ask like, what age did your boys get phones? Because oh, I assume not for it was them. different for them. Not for them. Each one. It, the, the interest started in third grade okay. based on what they were seeing. And it wasn't until like Flynn got his phone like after he graduated fifth grade. Okay. So like as he was transitioning into middle school. Now the other two got theirs earlier because it, it became a point where 
as kids get older, their lives get busier. Uh-huh. And so you can't find payphones anymore. No, you no. You just, you yeah. can't. Yeah, basically, like, as soon as they were going to have some independence and not be with you or another adult all the right, time. Right, right. So that, yeah. That's kind of what I've sort of mentally come to in my own head. I mean, my kids are too young now to really... There's a, a slight interest. I mean... Uh, my oldest daughter has definitely said, like, hey, could I have a phone for Christmas? And I'm like, why? And she doesn't really have an answer. So that to me says, well, you don't actually need one yet if you don't have an answer. Her friend, um, an, another first grader, does have a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more just, I think, I don't even know that it is hooked up, like, to a wireless network. I think it's more just to play games on and stuff. Um but I have started thinking about, you know, we live close by the school and in a couple of years, I think I'll probably allow them to walk to school on their own. I mean, I can literally see them walk the entire way and get in the school door from my kitchen. But I think at the end of the day, if they're going to walk back to the house to meet someone here, I would like them to have a phone. I, I They're going to still be too young to be alone here for any period of time. But anyway, I I do think basically when they're going to be without me or another adult, that would be when it would be appropriate. I remember when I was growing up, my mom and I shared a phone, which that would never happen now. But she, you know, basically if I was off doing something on my own, I had the cell phone. And if I was staying at home and she was going out and doing something, she had the cell phone. And I wasn't getting a lot of calls, so there wasn't any concern on my part that she was going to have the phone when someone tried to call me. Sure. It was really just used for like, I'm ready to be picked up. Nobody, I mean, cell phones were still really, really new. So, no. Well, and their capability. Oh, yeah. They were just basically calls. Yeah. And to text somebody was like terrible. Oh, I I think this was even pre-texting. Yeah. Yeah. That was was terrible to try to text on a flip phone. (laughs) Or the old Nokia. It was one of those Nokia brick. Yeah. Like, uh, I can't even think of the model number, but everybody knows like what it looked like. Everybody had that phone at one point. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and let me also go back and say, like, I think for, for your own situation, like you have to figure out what your own situation warrants. We had definitely drawn a line in the sand that certainly got shrunk or pulled back. (laughs) Um, because what it came down to is, is not because of the peer pressure. Again, it came to access to the kids and for them to be able to communicate to us, uh, when they needed to as the independence increased. But that was like the big thing for us. It wasn't a matter of saying like, well, you know, because, you know, kind of Flynn was like, okay, well, wait, I didn't get my phone until... <laughs> until you know. sixth grade. And then I, and then it was like, you know, sometimes that's the thing about the firsts. Sure. You know, but as he is getting older, the other two are getting older. And like rapidly so almost, mm-hmm. you know, because that like it's just that modeling that behavior. So yeah, like they the younger always want to keep up. Right. And again, it just it, it became a, a necessity logistically, but again, it also opened up a huge door or several doors and windows and everything else <laughs> to just having access to media all the time. Right. And yeah. that's kind of yeah. I mean, that's where I am struggling now. So my kids are four and a half and six and a half. 
and they each have a Kindle Fire. Um, they, un- until very recently, could not watch shows on it. They could only play games in the Kindle store, um, some of which are trash and some of which are educational. Sure. But, <laughs> um, I would say like maybe three, four months ago, I opened it up so they could watch shows on Amazon Prime TV, whatever, streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been basically since I opened that up, all my older daughter does on her Kindle is to just watch shows. Unless we're in a vehicle and there's no internet and then all she can do is play games. And there's a, there's drama about it. She wants... <laughs> right. She's figured out that my phone can give her the internet and she wants that basically at all times. A little bit of the hot spot. Yeah, apparently the internet is a universal human right well and that's a lot of times like when we travel with the family the kids are like do we get a hot spot I'm like <laughs> dude you have like th- and that's the thing that that could be problematic my kids have unlimited data on their phones yeah and we don't pay for it it's just part of the plan or whatever so a lot of their friends are like oh you know what i hit that two gigs and now i can't stream anymore or or play this or or whatever they're doing and Flynn of course is like I'm I'm I keep here's like I'll, let me throw you a hotspot <laughs> you know because yeah. <laughs> he you know he can hook people up it's the thing is is that from from a social aspect and and, and really this generation so mm-hmm. my kids it is rare folks to even see my children in front of a TV it's it's a it's an unusual phenomenon. They will not sit in front of a television. They consume all TV on their phones. Really? That's my kids will still watch TV and movies, but yeah. that's kind of a I think like maybe our family culture a little bit. Like when they were little, we would have Friday night movies and so that they love like especially on the weekends to just kind of hang out on the couch right and watch a, like an actual film and yeah. just actually they they will be playing but they'll watch it well and, and to your point too i do think that that is also some modeling behavior because we don't have the tv on no we don't during the like, week ever except that friday night thing yeah like we have and this is no judgment at all i'm just saying like i it's 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 different folks right mm-hmm. so we have friends that like if we go over to their home the tv's on yeah it's like on and then it's on during our visit and it's on when we leave and and i know that there's certainly like that's a culture again mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not knocking it i'm just saying like if you grow up in a home like that thinking like well the tv's always on right but if we turn the tv on like you know flynn will watch football yeah. But then he ends up going to his phone and streaming it on that eventually <laughs> because he wants to be like, he wants to move. Yeah. He doesn't that, I guess that's another thing too. Like my kids won't sit still very long. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of want to keep moving, you know, walk around. Of course they're going to bumping into walls and tripping over stuff <laughs> with the phone in front of them. Right. So there, there is that, but yeah, maybe, maybe that has to do with how we are. It might be age too. I mean, my kids are content to have toys in front of them in the, you know, in the TV room and then just, you know, be playing with toys and have a movie on versus yeah. like your kids are a little old for toys. So what they want to get sad. into is 
yeah video games or mobile apps or whatever yeah it's sad we don't have toys at our house yeah like and we haven't had toys at our house for a long long time like we've had like young kids come over looking for the toys <laughs> and we're like sorry like nothing no legos <laughs> Yeah. Nothing like no Nerf guns. I'm none trying of that, to keep my kids more into toys. Honestly, like it, I think that's great. I'm I'm I, and especially like they're both into dress up and like imaginative play. Like I was like coming up with these big stories and being very like um, narrative about it. And like it's a big production, you know. And then you have to build the fort and the set. <laughs> And like for the, the game that you're playing or even like Barbies, I know Barbie gets a lot of flack and I'm not like the biggest Barbie fan either, but she's come a long way. She's her body standards are improving. Good, Go Barbie, (laughs) you know, whatever. But I mean, I just want them. I, I remember like my favorite toys as a kid were my dollhouse and my American girl dolls. And I every day played with those toys. For a long time, like, yeah, I was really, really into it, and I think that imaginative play was extremely good for my brain development. I, I could, I mean, we had a TV in the kitchen. We, we didn't have TV on all the time, like you've talked about, but I definitely knew people that you know the TV was always on in their house. But I, I could have accessed a screen whenever I wanted. It just wasn't what I was into, right? And my kids see me always I I do work a lot but they they also see me just doing a lot of things that aren't involving a screen and I make a conscious effort to have my phone away as much as possible in the afternoon evening time because that's like my main time with my kids is after school right um, after daycare pickup and before bed I get maybe three and a half four hours a day with them yeah and that's it as you know I hate the term working mom, but as a, a woman who has kids and a career, sure, um, that's it. So I, I don't want to be spending that time looking at my own screen. Right. Um, and that's modeling behavior. I know there have been times when things have been really, really slammed at work where I've had to have my phone out texting or doing email a lot, trying to coordinate different situations and my kids pick up on it and they're like, mom, get off your phone. Get off your yeah. screen. You're telling us to get off our screens. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and 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 that I think that's interesting as far as like setting that expectation, because even like I said, my youngest has told me that his friends will get upset if he's not on Xbox as long as they are or whenever they are. So they have no access during the week. Like it's just they they can't even mm-hmm. like. Same with the Kindles. Yeah, yeah. they have Monday zero through Friday access. until Friday night, and then. It's like free reign till Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So he's telling me like his friends are getting upset with him because he's not available. (laughs) So I'm actually trying to help him with this because let's talk about this as an adult. Because with technology, when we say like we're working on it, it's very hard for children to differentiate. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, well, I'm holding a a tablet. You're holding a phone. It looks like a tablet. They, they don't understand the context. But that's one thing as an employer that I've always said to my teams, I do not expect anyone to be sending emails. Like if anybody's sending an email at two in the morning because like they're a night owl mm-hmm. and they prefer to get up late and stay up later, then, you know, that's that's their thing. But I wouldn't expect anybody else on the team to be responding to that at two two o five a.m. <laughs> right. Or, or 
you know, text messages are also the same way. Like we prioritize phone calls. If, if you get a phone call, then that means like somebody might really need you. But ultimately, like if you get a voicemail, hey, like I think that's the thing. We set these standards almost like in, in business and even for ourselves, these expectations, like if I'm not like responding in the next 30 seconds, then there must be something wrong with me. Sure. Oh, that's cultural too, though. Like that, the idea that you're being left on red, like they saw your text and didn't respond to you and you're owed a response that moment. Yeah. Uh, to me, I mean... I get it, like maybe something's urgent and you know they've seen it and didn't respond to you. I, I understand, but if we're just talking about a conversation and you just want a response right then, I think that's a little unreasonable, really. Right, and and I still practice like literally leaving my phone behind. Yeah. I will go out on a ride, I will go on a hike, I will leave my phone away. And people are like, what? How do you do that? Like, <laughs> I'm like well, what if something happens? Yeah. Like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Right. Like, I'll just figure it out. I mean, I'm not literally in the middle of nowhere. And even if I'm in the middle of nowhere, I probably don't have cell service anyway. Well, and that, like, I think you know that I've uh, traveled to see some friends in the middle of rural Iowa, and uh, there's no T-Mobile in their town. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I mean, if I had Verizon, I could talk, but it's hard for my team, and it's it's hard for me, really, when we first get there to realize, like, Nope, there's there's no cell service here. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. I always, every time, find myself going into the settings in my phone, trying to connect to a different band, trying to finagle away. Sure. And I, it's like, just stop. Yeah. Well, You're, why don't you just connect to the Wi-Fi? I do when we're at the house, but we don't, I mean... You can get calls and text through there. I can get calls. Uh, I have to, I the texting doesn't come through on Wi-Fi calling. Maybe it's because it's the Pixel? I don't know. It, anyway, like we're getting a little like, technical. Yeah, right. It's It just doesn't. That's why last time I was there, I set up that alternate number so I could text. Oh, interesting. All right, yeah, we'll have to like talk about that later. But but yeah, like I, I think that's, you know, that that is hard. Like, f- because that, again, that goes back to, you know, the kids saying like, well, that's how we communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. My kids don't call, they text. My kids hang out with their friends on Fortnite. That's how they engage with each other. And it's, you know, I, I do, when you talked about like you playing and your creativity and how you're, you're kind of mapping your own brain and, and I, I think it does, it, it builds not only just, you know, the IQ, but the EQ as well. Um, as you are, are, are becoming more, more and more creative, mm-hmm. like you kind of have to like figure things out. Right. Even if you're doing it by yourself. I mean, I do think that that kind of helps with some emotional intelligence because we have to have our emotional intelligence has to be creative. Like Mm -hmm. we have to think outside of the box a little bit instead of having something sort of help us along. And I was a big reader of physical books with pages. Yes. And again, that's another thing (laughs) that my wife struggles with because my boys, like, I think that's definitely a lot of girls do read. Boys Mm -hmm. often do not. They just don't. You mean now? I mean, even then. Oh, then, really? Oh, yeah. I never had any friends that would read. Really? Like, they looked at me like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> so, like, I was reading, but, like, yeah, none of my friends that were boys ever read. And certainly a lot of the boys, like, I, I hear from a lot of parents of boys that say, like, I literally have to fight him to ho- pick up a book. Oh, really? Versus, like, his sister. 
like will read like a couple books in a weekend. There's, I think, again, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a a thing to our own regional where we grew up or I don't know. Maybe it's a time thing because the my whole class, I was with a, a, a class of around 30 kids from K through 8 at a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And all we, right, well, here you go. And we a all Catholic read. School. Uh, well, I yeah. mean, we had computers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And nothing to do with Catholicism. I'm just saying, like, that is a ve- that is more rigorous, I think, than well, in, in the, the expectations. The boys were pretty much typical boys. I don't think going yeah. to a private school really, I don't, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I'm yeah, my saying, wife went to a prep, like, she definitely, same thing, and she was saying, like, everybody read, like, yeah. it was just a thing, you know, versus her friends that were in a public school didn't. They, I'm just saying, okay. like, this, these are the things that she's telling me. <laughs> I would have thought, honestly, if you had asked me, not knowing, I would have said the opposite. I would have thought that the public school kids would have wanted to read more. No, like, the expectation to read in public school, even, like, for me growing up, for her growing up, it, it wasn't, like... Like she read probably ten times more required books mm-hmm. than we did than we had to in a public school, and the same thing for, for like public schools where she went to school. So, like, not to get too much into the science of how you consume content, but mm-hmm. reading is a very different reading a book, a fictional or even non-fictional narr- you know work, is a lot different than reading something on your phone. Or on your laptop. Yes. So, and I think that there is an idea with kids that like, well, I'm reading on Instagram, I'm reading on Facebook, and there are words you do have to be able to read to use that app, sure. but it's not really the same thing. Even even Reddit or like message board-based um, social media that's more text-based. It's still a totally different interaction. It's totally, it's a different way. I mean, it is interesting to read people's perspectives online in articles, but it's not the same as reading a book. No, and there's actually a new data out that says that reading online isn't really making you any more intelligent because it's, it's the instant on and you, and if you feel like this isn't connecting with me, this is not something that I'm aligning with, I'm just going to move on to the next article you're really not doing yourself any service. Like I literally read this, of course, online, (laughs) that it was saying like skimming articles and flipping through, like going from one subject to the other is not helping you. Versus like if you're in a book, Mm -hmm. you're, you're threaded into that, that story. Yeah. And being pulled in and there's layers upon layers upon layers throughout the story. I remember in high school, Wikipedia basically started like when I was maybe like a junior in high school mm-hmm. and I think I could target my my less reading of books to Wikipedia where I I would go on these like random crawls through I would you know go from one topic and then something and that would be linked to another topic and yes I would spend a long long time sort of going on this winding path online. And I was definitely learning a lot, especially it was, I'm a nerd, guys. It was Wikipedia. Sure. <laughs> but but it, it was definitely, I could definitely say it's a lot different than books. I still read probably all the way through college fiction. And honestly, 
I have fallen off reading books, I would say, since I've been married, which was right after college. Yeah. Well, and, and again, that, that goes into learning versus like, are you learning, are you consuming, and mm-hmm. are you retaining? Right. And that's that's the concern that is like, if we keep going from one rabbit hole to another, mm-hmm. are we really retaining this information? Are we able to apply it into a conversation, like bring it into a conversation and to articulate. I think I think there's like a research aspect to it where you could be like, you know, I'm really interested in this and mm-hmm. you do learn some about it, but it's it's not it's not like uh and and that's sort of like maybe going on a YouTube uh deep dive, you know, where you go from one video to another to another and it may be educational content or not, but right. It's it's a surface level understanding. It is. And, and I think that, so the question would be like, how, how do we change this behavior? Is this even possible? Because we know more and more, this is just, this is just how things are, are going. Yeah. So it, it's hard as a parent knowing that I didn't grow up with a computer, or even have access to it until I was in college. And yet I have kids that literally can just, they, <laughs> they can't, they don't even, they can't even fathom the power that they have like in their own pockets, oh, yeah. in their own hands. Like they they have no like concept. Right. Because they don't, they can't. And it ties to so many different things like history or math. Like my math teacher telling me, you're not always going to have a calculator with you. You have to be able to do these things yes. long, longhand. Well, that turned out not to be the case. I actually can. Right. But I actually am still glad I know how to do algebraic, algebraic equations and geometry and those concepts, even though I don't, I don't use them in my professional life very much at all, but I still am glad I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and part of me, I, I just kind of have to get over it because, again, society is shifting. It is, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. I can change a little bit of the narrative in my own kids to help them want to explore, but it is. It's so funny where, you know, like they might go outside and play, like play as kids, and then it was interesting, like, after that they were like how long were we out there for like i don't know like 45 minutes 45 minutes that's it you know for me it was the opposite like you couldn't give me enough daylight like i was right like one foot out the door trying to wolf down a bowl of cereal and then gone and as an adult you know it's funny because like my wife and i had talked like well if you model that behavior then you know as as like you're playing instead of like working uh but and, and what I mean by that is like if I'm organizing the garage or if I'm painting the house or whatever, I don't know. Just, mm-hmm. But I would spend hours and hours and hours outside and I would literally come in and like doing all kinds of things outside. And then I would come in and like my kids were like, oh, well, we were looking for you. We didn't know where you were, but it's not like they came after to try to find me either. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, what have you been doing? Like, oh, just out here. And then just kind of like running down a list of things that I was doing. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, but but that didn't really influence them to like, I don't know, like I do. I get up and run and I do think that there's a little bit that they do feel a little bit bad about themselves <laughs> because they're like, well, you definitely don't stop and I'm sitting here. So maybe they do feel a little bit bad, like they're not on the go. You know, I'm hoping that'll rub off a little bit. But again, at the same time, like I just want them to feel comfortable in their own skin. Right. I mean, that's what that it comes translates to. into the soccer. I mean, they push hard when they're doing it. They do. They do. And it, and I don't sit there or stand there as I typically do um, and say, like, you're just wasting your life sitting in that chair. 
like, you know, I'm not trying to like make them feel bad, but I do try to bring some perspective like, Hey, you know, I did, there are some kids like, I think your friends just rode by on their bikes and stuff. Like, so if you were looking for someone to play with, mm-hmm. I think they're down at the Creek or they're at the park or whatever. Right. So, cause again, I do, I want them to explore and find their own way without it, Google maps. <laughs> right. It's nice that neither of us is afraid to let our kids go and explore out there on their own. Cause I know that for a lot of parents, that's really scary to have them, you know, go down out of their sight outside. Yeah. Which I don't understand that, but that's, that's another show. That's totally another show. But yeah. I, I mean, it, I think that if you're going to hover and be that, um, concerned about safety outside of your site, then that's going to maybe just lead them right back to the screens. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Yeah, for sure. Good grief. I don't even know if we answered any questions. I don't know on either. This. We, this went on a different path than I was totally thinking. Different. So Totally different. So what hey, a gamers, we still like you. We though. do. We gamers. Keep it up. <laughs> Whatever you got going on, you're, you're working it because apparently it's working. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's what working. do we know? We're just vloggers. Nobody wants to watch our videos because they're all watching Let's Plays. Exactly. So yes, you've I actually know. got it right. You've, got, you've garnered the attention. You've garnered <laughs> the attention. So, all right. Well, I don't even think we can rein it back in. I think we just got to get the heck did out. We? I don't even know that we got off the ground, but well, it's I don't okay. think we did. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think they're serving drinks and snacks and whatnot on this flight, and we just. We just took a nice taxi. It's fine. We're back at the gate now. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, we appreciate you if you're even still with us at this point. Appreciate you. And uh, I'll be signing off and can't wait to uh, have you on the next flight. Thanks, you guys.